What's up, everybody? All you humans and kaiju and French people drinking bad American coffee. It's great to see you. This is Sin Inspection. Welcome. I'm sorry we were a bit late. We said 9 p.m. Eastern time, and we were late because of me. So I'm very sorry, and I'm really grateful to uh, our, uh, my friends to to uh, wait that, that waited for me for all this time. So uh, before we get into what we'll be talking about today, uh, I want to welcome our guest. Uh, he's our friend Dives. He's Mr. Crockpot on Twitter. Uh, he's a member of the Suit of Geeks podcast and a frequent collaborator in a whole bunch of cool stuff here at the Painted Lines. He was with us last week, and he was like, I need to come back for Godzilla 98. So welcome, Dives. Dude, more than psyched to join you guys here at Cinespection. Talk some Godzilla. Cannot wait for Kong or Godzilla versus Kong, I think, coming out tomorrow morning uh, on HBO Max. I'm here to represent Team Godzilla. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go, because... Yeah, we are going to be talking about the beautiful Roland, Roland Emmerich 1998 masterpiece, Godzilla. Uh, we have different opinions, I can just <laughs> tell by by John's face. Uh, we were both, I think we're all around the same age. Uh, we were, what, 10, 9, 10 years old when this came out-ish, 11. Um, so we, we lived it. So, all right, let's start with the basic ones. Because I think that this movie is remembered as the bad Godzilla and everybody's like, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. So is it as bad as they say? And let's start with John. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh 100%. It is just as bad as they say. This movie, first off, it plays into every single 90s trope out there, right? There is nothing from the Wait, 90s no, is that a bad Godzilla thing? Movie. Is that a bad thing? Hang on, this is... This is satisfaction somewhere up there. And what I'm saying is this is an awesomely bad movie, which is becoming our new like guideline for what we're watching is awesomely bad movies. Is it garbage? Yeah. But is it garbage <laughs> that I will watch? Yeah. Am I unhappy that I paid $6 for it? Kinda, but all at the same time, it is a it is a good movie. Like if you're hungover on a Sunday and you want to watch TV, like it's on, watch it. It's good. It's gonna be like you're gonna get a lot of laughs. However, I will say this: if you are somewhat politically correct or want to be politically correct or somehow find yourself woke, please don't watch this movie. Please, please don't cancel Godzilla 98 because there are so many things in it that are like so wrong by today's standards. Wait, no. If you're talking about the French stuff, I have some French insight. Into no, that. no, 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 no. Okay, oh. I could. Okay, there are so many other things besides the French thing. But we'll, we'll get to we'll get to all of these things later, right? We're gonna get to all these things later. Yeah, and just in case any of you uh, people uh, tuned in the last couple of weeks, so we were all about like, oh, the Snyder Cut and Batman v Superman. That is not what we usually talk about here. I mean, we do have some time for the Marvels and the DCs, but we love our '90s and early 2000s, not masterpieces. Um, so that's what we talk about. So, dives. Is this movie as bad as they say, or as as good as you remember? What do you think? It was never that bad to begin with. You know, you talk about a huge Roland Emmerich film. You've got an epic soundtrack, Green Day, Puff Daddy, Career Quad. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Did you I not it. say every single trope from the 90s combined? Like, yeah. I <laughs> Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I wish think, movies were like that these days. I, I think on the surface, the conversation about this movie begins 
uh, and really ends with the fact that Roland Emmerich never intended this movie to be like a Godzilla movie. Uh, what he wanted to do was essentially take the original kind of basic storyline and make his own take. Um, um, I think like we can all agree here. Like if you would have called this like J.J. Abrams uh, Cloverfield prequel, we all would have had a, a little bit more fun. But the fact that it had that Godzilla label and it was marketed so badly that we'll talk about later on. I, I think that was its truly uh, true downfall there. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the, what I enjoy about this movie, you're right, Gabe, like it's so 90s. I'm a 90s guy. What, what I love about this movie is it, it's ridiculous. It's completely self-aware and it just goes for it. It goes for it, especially in that like last act that is uh, just complete chaos and ridiculous. Um, it's not like Jurassic World where at the end, like you see Chris Pratt driving a motorcycle alongside some velociraptors. It doesn't get that, uh, but it's enjoyable. It's, it's oddly probably my most watched Godzilla movie ever. And there's something to be said about that. Yeah, exactly. It's the same for me. I'd rather watch this one 10 times before I have to watch King of the Monsters or any of those newer ones again, because this is just dumb. It's dumb and it knows it's dumb, like old Roland Emmerich movies. Um, and that's that's a bit of the beauty, I think. And, 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 and to your point, Dives, this question was going to come up later, but I think... Uh, what what if we had called this movie like Monster Takes Manhattan or something like that? John, would you have liked it better if it didn't have the if it wasn't called Godzilla? What do you think? Oh, I mean, I yeah, I would have liked it a little bit better. But actually, going back on that, I actually think that this was the best origin story for Godzilla. <laughs> yeah, I think that this was the best Godzilla origin story because it actually came from like a legitimate thing right not from like a nuclear disaster that came up with this uh i i don't like the king of the monsters godzilla from 2014 where it's just like oh well godzilla's been around forever so i, I don't like that so i actually i actually like the premise better this is godzilla i don't well, like the okay. way godzilla looks because well, godzilla looks yeah. like a giant velociraptor matter of fact i think that what Deep said with the Lost World, like they just went and grabbed that whatever Indominus Rex, whatever, and yeah, pulled it totally. into the movie. Like that's what it looks like. Totally. Yeah, yeah. It, it's an awful look. It's an awful look, but it's a monster. So dies. What if it was called the monster that attacked Matthew Broderick and his girlfriend in Manhattan? What do you have thought there? I mean, it would have been so much better. Like it would have been. You look at like movies like Lake Placid. Who doesn't love Lake Placid? It's just a fun movie. If you would have changed the title of this um, and it would have just been like Jurassic Park uh, lost in Manhattan or lost <laughs> something along those lines, it would have been a lot more fun. I think it would have had it more of a uh, just a, more of an audience. And I think you put that you slap that Godzilla title on it like that is a very sacred title. That is a very cherished franchise. You look how long it took between what like it was like 40 years or something. Yeah. It was like an immense amount of time to finally get a Godzilla movie, and it was completely uh, different than the original concept. And I think people, a lot more people, hated it than they like. You look at Disney. Look at the, they're they're just slapping things on lunchboxes, re, page for page remake, page for page remake. Let's make a live action uh, piece of shit. And I don't like that. I like that Roland Emmerich had an idea. The studio said, "Go for it." 
and it didn't turn out great, but I enjoyed it. Come on. I, I don't I, I don't think the movie turned out bad. It's it's just if you had made a different design, it's not a bad okay, it's a movie to have fun with. Uh and 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 it accomplishes that. I had a lot of fun. And sorry, just hi Leo. Uh here's Leo. Um yeah, exactly. What well, we're saying hi Leo, sorry, I'm just saying hi now. Um uh, but I do think that that um the, the, the title plays against it because it's a fun movie. So John. I want to hear the argument against. Uh, oh, I yeah. So just FYI, sorry, John. I watched this one with Rachel. Uh, Rachel's my girlfriend yeah, this weekend, and this is what she believes. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> it's, not, it's not it's not for everybody. Uh, but it, granted, she hasn't seen any of the newer ones or the Japanese ones, which I don't think she'd like. Even you know, either way. Um, no, Leo, I disagree. But go ahead, John. All right. <laughs> Let, all right, I'm going to start from the beginning and rip apart all the way to the end. All right, starting at the beginning, it, it begins like every single other 90s movie, introduced to some guy working in some random field, and all of a sudden, we really have to, like, okay, some guy's working in a field, we got to go get him. Literally the opening to Jurassic Park, by the freaking way, like, let's be honest, it's two people d digging up a dinosaur, and then some random billionaire shows up, and you've got to come with me. This happens in every 90s movie. So 90s trope, they're out the gate. We have a 90s prime Matthew Broderick. It's just you, you keep saying that. You keep saying that as it is a uh, it's a bad thing. Like just go full 90s. Just do it. They're almost they did. done. They it's did. 98. I mean, I dude, I owned this movie on VHS. Okay. Like I get that it was a movie for the time. The CG was god awful, even for the time. The Matrix came out at the same time. I just want to remind everybody. Matrix okay. came out at the same time. And the, Titanic, Titanic came out Titanic. Uh, a year before. Yeah. Yeah. So don't tell me that you have to like <laughs> buy into the 90s when like all of these other great movies came out. Oh, God. I miss the 90s. All right. Let's get over something that, that I loved when I was a kid. And I think I, I still do. Uh, or we watched that the teaser trailers. Do you remember that there was a teaser trailer? I'll describe it for everybody that didn't see it. There was a girl in a museum. She was in like a school trip. And she was looking at a, a T-Rex skeleton. Right, and it was pretty big, and she's like, "Wow, I don't know what museum it was. I don't know if it was a Met or something." And then all of a sudden, uh, they start, you know, like the, the ground starts shaking, and all of a sudden, uh, Godzilla steps like over the roof and on the on the um, uh, T Rex skeleton and just wrecks it. And it's like, and there was a tagline, but I can't remember the where the life size does but, matter. Size does matter exactly, and it's, it was like. Uh, Okay, Rachel, as I can tell, he was always right, just saying. <laughs> Not in this case. Um, Matrix, is, Matrix is the better movie, yes, it is. Anyway, that teaser was beautiful. Like, they didn't show the creature. It was just creepy. It isn't in the movie, which is interesting. But what do you guys think? Let's go with, uh, I don't know, John first. All I was going to say <laughs> is the only thing that I remember teaser trailer for this was, like, wasn't this the – so, like, McDonald's had Jurassic Park and Taco Bell – had Godzilla, if I remember right. And like the big, like that was what they used. Like in Taco Bell was like the cooler of the like franchises. And I just yeah. remember those stupid, remember in the 90s, the they always did the big cups. The yeah. cup. And they had the giant like cup and it had Godzilla on the side of it. Like So good. 
and everybody's parents, by the way, had those like McDonald's Burger King Taco Bell giant like sixty ounce plastic <laughs> non reusable, but we reuse them cups at home. Like every, that's all I remember. And like, let's be honest here. If we're comparing monster movies from generally the same era, right? We had Jurassic Park, which we reviewed two weeks ago, and then we have this, or we had Lost World that we reviewed two weeks ago, and then this. I don't know which one is more awesomely bad or has more 90s tropes in it, but this movie was definitely hornier. And I, I have already talked to Gabe about this, but everybody in the movie is like trying to like get with somebody else. And there's like all these weird, like little tiny love triangle type things everywhere. Yeah, horny people in the 90s. Um, all right, Leo's mentioning, I, I didn't see the Taco Bell commercials. I, I remember in the United I States, but no, it, was, yeah. it, was, it was the little Chihuahua dog. And he's got like a box, and the, the the Godzilla monster goes by him, and he goes, "I'm gonna need a bigger box." <laughs> and well, there's another I one. There's another one. There's a Doritos one. I fully recommend everyone go and check out the Godzilla Doritos one. Do you remember the scene when the Godzilla comes and eats the pile of fish? Instead, it's the worst CGI you could ever imagine, and it's a it's a truck essentially of Doritos, and he like lifts it up in his mouth and like. Uh, Cheetos goes like, or Doritos go everywhere, and then he licks his fingers. <laughs> I, I I didn't see those, but but I, I I I would like to say that I'm offended because Leo wants to watch it again because Dives likes it so much. She doesn't trust my taste. Oh. What is this, Leo? Um, this wasn't our for the record, just so everybody watches. This, <laughs> we don't pick these movies. You guys pick these movies. Yeah, vote, vote. Yes. You guys are picking these movies. You vote for them. We just suggest like four or five things. So you guys are picking the movies. So, you know, if you want to watch what we're watching the week before, it's always going to be on a Twitter poll. So I mean, make sure uh, you, you know, I know the Painted Line throws it up for us all the time. So, like, come on, guys. Like, watch it with us. And then you can... Exactly. Hatred of crappy movies. Exactly. Or the love. Or the love. Or the love in Gabe's case. Yeah, it could be their one. Um, yeah. Uh, not, so, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. What, what I'm now thinking is like instead of renting it for four bucks, I could have got a chicken chalupa. That would have been so much better. <laughs> I, I'd eat that. Um, <laughs> I just, just want to say. Is Taco at Taco Bell. You two can buy Godzilla 98 on Amazon. <laughs> I just want to say. Taco Bell is the same as 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 is a perfect restaurant for this movie because it's a cheap knockoff of a foreign country's product uh, that yeah. goes into and comes yeah. out screaming, you know. <laughs> uh, so yes, Taco Bell. Whoever thought that out, genius. Uh, uh, Sunny, what's up, Sunny? Uh, says Team Kong. Leo says Team Godzilla. I say I don't care. I'm Team uh, Team Matthew Broderick. All right. Let's go uh, over the next one. All right, there's this the, the premise because, and the pre I'm gonna I'm gonna intersect these two. The premise of this movie is the French nuclear tests in the uh, French Polynesia uh, mute, made a, a lizard mutate and it becomes this giant thing that goes through the Pacific Ocean, then crosses through Panama that the United States just invades the U.S. Army, just like hey, let's check this out because the Pan the people in Panama can't do it, I guess. Um, and then it just crosses and then it goes all the way up to New York. Um, and then the, the U.S. Army calls this guy that they call the warm guy, played beautifully by Matthew Broderick. Um, 
because he studies uh, genetic mutations in worms. So they think he's the right guy to study genetic mutations in lizards. And he comes in and he's like doing stuff. And then on, he has a girlfriend. But here's oh. the problem. Real quick, Gabe. They never once. <laughs> this is where this movie already has gone off the rails. Yes. It's okay. They go and they get a nuclear, like this guy, the worm guy, who's studying mutation due to nuclear radiation. <clears throat> He's the one that tells them that this is a giant lizard creature. Before he gets there, they think it's a dinosaur. So why wouldn't <laughs> they bring in a paleontologist or something like that? Why do they bring in some random worm guy? Oh, they yeah. Have no they have no clue that it's from the radiation yet. He tells them. Wait, but what was the horny, like the horny redhead? The, the horny redhead doctor, what was she? I don't know. We she don't know because she was, she, was the, she was the horny redhead trying to get at Matthew Broderick the entire time. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but but she's the one that's like, it's a dinosaur. And then, so was she the paleontologist? I don't know. Well, no matter what, it made no <laughs> sense that they got this guy from Chernobyl, by the way. So they go to Chernobyl, which he's just randomly digging out worms with no gear at all. By the way, watch Chernobyl on HBO. It's great. But he's there in this nuclear irradiated <laughs> site, just digging up worms. Like, and yeah, seeing let's go it in the rain. I'm yeah, seeing it in the rain. That's the all right, all right. It essentially got like bits and pieces of everything. You know what movie came out in 98 as well? Armageddon. You remember what they did in Armageddon? Let's bring in the best uh, digging team you can find and send them to an asteroid. That's what they did here with Matthew Broderick. It makes total sense. It does, but that's, it does. that is also another awesomely bad movie with a crazy <laughs> 90s soundtrack with like Aerosmith as the oh, main song. So <laughs> yeah, why not? All right, uh, wait. Let's 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 go over this. Is the premise stupid? And what do you think about the love story? And just for context, love story. Uh, Matthew Broderick had a college girlfriend who's now a wannabe reporter, but due to sexual harassment, she's not allowed to uh, grow in her career. Like really yet, explicit yet, sexual harassment. Yeah, really explicit. Yes. Yet she yes. uses her self. To yes. get the, so she literally does what she is like fighting against just for the oh, record. Shit. That's true, just with another guy. Yes, she literally uses her sexuality to get Matthew Broderick to give her the information. Well, that's the 90s for you. Um, uh, Dives, what do you think? And also, Mrs. Crockpot says, Be nice, please. <laughs> <laughs> the love story is terrible. I mean, come on, guys. Like, this, is a, this is a guy who did White House Down. He's done The Patriot, 10,000 BC, to, uh, 2012, uh, The Day After Tomorrow. Like These are all brainless popcorn fun. No one going into this should expect any kind of love story. It's like, if you like Zack Snyder, then you should, you know, parallel, love this movie. It's a paper-thin uh, movie with char zero character development, love story, all that. It's about the monster. And to its credit, this, this is like one of the few Godzilla movies that actually – focus on the monster, uh, unlike a lot of the recent ones. So, um, yeah, the, the love story was terrible. <laughs> it's awful. I think, I, I think it's bad because you never really like her. What she does is unforgivable, I think, in the context of the movie. Um, but she's likable as a person up until she does that. And then after, when you forget that she did, you know, she stole the tape. So I'm team love story. You guys are wrong. Um, 
much. I mean, here's uh, the, the other thing, real quick, with the love story, with all of this. And I, I, I just <laughs> want to point this out without getting way too off the rails. This movie has... Oh, go actually, off the rails. That's, that's the point. Go off the rails. This movie good. actually has some really <laughs> good plot points. Like, got the new Godzilla and the, the King of the Monsters and everything like that actually could learn a lot, in my opinion, from this movie. Like, there are good things. Like, um, the, the fact that the, the monster actually comes from somewhere and isn't just conjured out of magic. The fact that, like, this is a pretty realistic way that the city would deal with it. Like, do we have to deal with it? No, let's wait until the last minute. Like, these are all plot point things that can move forward. And as as you said, uh, Dives, that let's be honest, they actually focus on the monster in this movie. And it's not, yeah, you know, some random. You don't, random have to wait, you don't have to wait until the last act to finally see the monster. Yeah, oh. uh, it, it's while Gabe's gone for a second. It, it's kind of like Cloverfield. I love Cloverfield. Don't get me wrong, but like you wait the whole movie to learn about this monster, and then we don't get another movie for years, right? Uh, at least in this movie, we get to see the monster. So Gabe's back. We're gonna let him go to the next question. But that being said. <laughs> Gabe, my off-the-rails comment is that this movie actually has some good stuff in it. And that's off-the-rails. Oh, sorry. Can you hear me now? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Can you hear me now? Yeah, Sorry, you're sorry. It's just I don't have the best internet here. Yeah, all right. Um, I don't know what you said, but I'm going to assume you said nice things about this movie. Um, I actually right. did. Question. I actually said nice things. <laughs> Look at this, look at this. I went to sniff some sweaters. Like <laughs> oh, and Span Girl. Oh my god. <laughs> nice one, nice one. <laughs> it's it is true. It is true. I have I don't have sweaters here, but anyway, uh I did sniff one. I'm just back. All right. Uh question, and you don't have to elaborate on this one if you don't want, but why is everybody from The Simpsons cast in this movie? Um you have Hank Azaria, you have uh uh, Nancy Cartwright has a cameo. Like, wh what's going on? Why is The Simpsons in this movie? What, it's what the is 90s. this? <laughs> That's the answer. That's the answer. It's the '90s. I mean, <laughs> well, I, 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 I think it's a low key. I think it's a low key important variable to this film. There are so many like cartoony and outrageous moments in this film that um, it almost makes it like necessary to have a handful of characters that are like just known for hamming it up a little bit like that i think that's what makes it kind of fun in itself like it's an incredibly self-aware film that goes all in with the ridiculous uh with all these kind of zany characters like how many times do we see like directors that give us like too many elements in a film like the recent fantastic four movie that like it's a horror it's an action it's an adventure it's a comedy like and it, but it, there's no cohesive uh element to it at all at least godzilla 98 uh, knows what it is, and I think it's because of that ability to make it uh, to it's self-aware that it, it it never sells you anything that it's not. You know what you're getting yourself into. It's essentially a roller coaster ride at Universal Studios. That's the expectation, and it's a heck of a lot of fun. Nothing more, nothing less. Yeah, I would Preach. I would 100 percent agree with that. Preach. It, that's a yeah. Yeah, it we is. are loving this movie. Look at you, John. <laughs> I, mean, I don't um, love it. It's, it's garbage. <laughs> I want everybody to realize it's garbage, but it's garbage that I will gladly watch. Like I'm not, I'm not hating on it, but it's still garbage. Like 
if you're trying to watch a movie and pick out all of these things, like I've already on this podcast without thinking about it, I think pulled four different plot points that make this movie trash. But that being said, when you watch a movie with Matthew Broderick, who is famous for other hit films like Ferris Bueller and The Producers, what are you expecting? I mean, honestly, like you're going to get some goofy cheese ball monster movie and maybe that's what they were going after and it takes us 20 years to realize it yes yes that that is true again because sometimes again before we move on to the next point i just want to like clarify this like sometimes people say this movie's bad this movie's bad this movie's bad and everybody thinks it's bad but you haven't seen it in 20 years or you've never even seen it you know and and you go to watch it expecting the bad stuff like oh the monster looks terrible and this is that and then you don't really see the movie for what it is. And and I think sometimes expectations, especially not in our era with Twitter and you know, all the internet stuff, you're expecting the worst. And it's not really that. It, it's it's what it's supposed to be. Um, all right, next one. This is my favorite question, guys. And I made I did some research on this one. Um, the French guys. You got you got Jean Renault fresh off of the professional, uh, before the Da Vinci code and whatever else he did in the United States, before he you know, rightfully went back to France and he's happy there, I'm sure. Um, he plays a very, very French guy doing very, very French things um, with a very French team, right? Um, so first, I want to get your thoughts. What do you think about the Frenchiness of these guys? Are they too goofy? Are they too good? Are they... What, what, what's up with the French guys? I mean, I mean, the amount... You touched on it, John, like... The amount of stereotypes in this film is pretty ridiculous. Like America, this America, that the exaggerated, <laughs> uh, the exaggerated New York accents, like are so thick in this film. Everything feels so cartoony. I, I never understood why like the French were there and not the Japanese. Um, I never understood. Because it's yeah, I, I yeah. actually know this. I actually know this because oh. of the first opening take of the movie, it's from the atolls in French Polynesia which they yeah. haven't been in, in, by the way, I mean, since, you know, their whole empire fell apart in the after World War II. But still, that's oh, yeah. why they're the French. As I said, we started this, we have to finish it, and I'm not even going to try a cheesy French accent. But that is why, is that it takes place in French Polynesia. That's where Godzilla comes like, from. I yeah. feel like the entire point of the French people were just to make fun of American culture. That's it. Maybe. <laughs> or, Fre or French culture, which brings yeah. me to my research. Okay. So I, I, I have a, a fr uh, several French friends, but I reached out to one of them, my friend Elodie. Elodie, if you watch this, hello. Uh, I hope you're doing really well. And thanks for your help with the research. I asked her to look at two scenes. She watched two scenes. One was the scene where Jean Reno drinks the coffee and he's like, you call she's coffee, remember? And then, and then he opens the bag and pulls out a donut and he's like, no croissant, right? <laughs> And then, then she watched the scene where uh, they all uh, go, they're, they're sneaking into the city because only the army is allowed into New York City. Um, and they all, they're all chewing gum because it makes them look more American. So I asked her, is this like accurate? Is this how French people work? She said yes to all. She said, <laughs> oh she said yes to all. She said, French people don't like American coffee. The taste is not good. It, it, it doesn't, it, it's too watered down. It doesn't taste good. Uh, two, they like croissants. They don't like donuts. 
they, they, I'm sure they sometimes eat donuts, but their thing is to eat croissants with coffee, which that's why he's so frustrated. And to them, at least in the 90s, it would have been really American to be chewing gum. So come at me, PC police. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the only thing that I can say... Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> It's not fair. He gets a starter accent. Like he's got one to, to be able to blend it over easier. Okay, that's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. So you call this coffee? The, the funniest <laughs> thing about it, though, is like in the '90s, like the reason that people started chewing gum in American movies and stuff was they took away all the cigarettes out of movies, and the only oh. people. And the, it, it, this is a, a long story, but if you've seen the movie, thank you for smoking. It elaborates on some of this part and you kind of get an insight into the movie industry. By the way, watch Thank You for Smoking, another great movie. But only bad guy or only certain groups of people smoke in like the late 90s movies. And it's like French terrorists and like there's one other like group of people. But basically they limited it down. And if you watch movies through the 90s, that always like that that thing always holds true. And the Americans are always the ones trying to quit smoking. Like if you go back and you watch like whatever, it's like, no, I quit. And it's like, yeah, but then- Meet then the parents. Like, yeah. Meet the parents. That, that, that was, I remember, meet the parents. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, um, so, so. Good point, good point. Well, there you go. That's what the French were watching. Uh, dives, are they French enough? Are they, um, <laughs> say the, look, look at Sonny, say the coffee line again. Um, okay, you call this coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other guy responds, I call this America. Remember? Oh, yeah. yeah. And then and then they bring him like a French coffee and he's like, I thought you said this was French roast. <laughs> That's what he says. He holds up the can. He's like, this is this, French roast. <laughs> I mean, besides the other... all the obvious points, like in France, they don't call what we call coffee coffee. They call it like uh, an, uh, what is it? Like a long American. coffee, or an American coffee, or they call it a long coffee, uh, coffee allongé, I think, or something like that. And that means like a, a taller pour. Anyway, it's not the point. <laughs> French roast was just a great joke. And I actually loved it being in the movie. Look at that. So Those guys are the worst part of the movie. Um, Dives, any, any thought on the French people before we move on? No, we, we touched on all of it. <laughs> <laughs> I love the French. Uh, hello to everybody in France. If anybody's watching us for France, Elodie, I hope you're watching this. I mentioned you. Um, all right. <laughs> this one's going to get the most hate out of this social group. The baby Godzillas, or how do you call them? The Godzilla Raptor, whatever. Baby Gs. Baby G's, Dives, let's start with you. What's up with those? It was so bad, man. I, I touched on it. <laughs> man. Like, that, that CGI does not hold up. <laughs> I just I just got done watching it. And, it does not. Oh, my God, is it bad. Um, it's so bad. There, are they not the most clumsy, like, little dinosaurs you ever met? Like, the scene, the, there's so many. Their scenes. heads are so big, dude. There's the so many things yeah. yeah. straight up cringeworthy. Just straight cringeworthy. Um, yeah, I mean, they look like a mix of like Jurassic Park Velociraptor, but the CGI in that scene were, was just god awful. Um, it this that was like really when the movie just got like off the rails. Com <laughs> There's a lot of ridiculous in the movie, but those like baby dinosaurs, like uh, I just couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't get into it. It was, it yeah. was, it was cringeworthy. It was, it was Leo the time. 
Yeah, yeah, Leo, I see Leo in there agreeing, but <laughs> at the time, you also have to think, like, if you go back and watch the movie, most of it is actually done in practical effects, right? So, like, you watch and you see all these practical effects, and they weren't really using green screen, and it's so obvious that they weren't using green screen, because the, the baby Velociraptor thing look like they're pasted on you know like when little kids use stickers and there's like the little white line around the sticker and they put it in the sticker book that's what every cgi scene in this movie looks like like there's like a a faint hue of like where somebody in the graphics department was like okay stick it there all right we're good there, there's, a scene, there's a scene yeah. where like matthew broderick is like cornered by like 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 10 of them and like the 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 five scenes before that, like they're jumping on people and eating yes. people. Yeah. Meanwhile, yeah, yeah. Roderick is cornered by like ten of them, and they just like are moving so slow, and it gets so dramatic. And then he gets in the elevator, and the the one head goes in the elevator, and Roderick's like pushing the the head out, and the elevator closes. Like what? <laughs> and, then, and then there's a fantastic joke when he goes, he, the door's wrong open floor. and he's in a floor filled with dinosaurs again. This is like, wrong floor. <laughs> they just don't do anything. Oh, God, it's beautiful. Yeah, I, even as a kid, I was just like, I'm not into the baby Godzillas. I get why they did it because the raptors were so successful and so effective in uh, Jurassic Park, uh, which is what probably what motivated this movie overall. Like the success oh, yeah. of Jurassic Park came, came out a few years after. Um, yeah, they don't. They don't. They didn't work back then. They don't hold up right now. Uh, I, I think we all agree. Uh, but there's something uh, that I want to get into just as a last point. There's a lot of homages, homages to Jaws. I don't know if you guys caught them, but uh, O'Neill, the army guy, says uh, when they first see Godzilla, he says, "We need bigger guns," mm -hmm. which is of course a, a reference to we need a we're gonna need a bigger boat or you're gonna need a bigger boat of uh, of Jaws. Um, then they have a dolly shot. For those that don't know, the dolly shot is kind of like a close-up. John, probably you can explain this better. But it's kind of like a close-up where the the you close up to the person, but the environment does not follow the shot, right? Maybe you can explain it better, John. I mean, that's a pretty good explanation, yeah. I think. Like, yeah, yeah. The, the the person is close up, but the environment's further away. Like the depth right. of field is shifted. Yeah. Right. And there's a, there's the, 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 one of the most classic uses of the dolly shot is when uh, the, the, the boy's, uh, the boy's mom starts screaming that the, the boy is missing in the beach in Jaws. And then it goes towards uh, chief Brody. And then there's a really epic dolly shot. It's really hard to do as well as it's done in that movie. So there's a dolly shot of Matthew Broderick right after Godzilla looks at him for 30, 30 seconds and then just like walks away. There's a dolly shot there. And then there's also the stubborn mayor. So they, I, I think they don't go full with it because the army's there and it would be too silly for have to have the mayor do, you know, have a say in the matter, but they kind of go there. So how do you guys feel? Like why, why would they do this? <laughs> I mean, you have guys that honestly, if you look at what they had done, literally like what, two years before. So you think that, uh, what's it called? Independence Day was what, 95, 96, something like that. And they're coming hot off the heels of Independence Day. You can see a lot of those same tropes from Independence Day, um, like, repeated in this movie so they found good things so it, it's not like they stole from jaws directly they had already stolen from jaws once and they decided to do it again but um the mayor and stuff like that just so honestly bad. yeah it's, it's it is but the thing is is it was such a thing to do and like i keep going back to like it's 90 trope after 90 trope after 90 trope the the mayor was like 
the king of all 90s movies. Like, who's coming? Like, even you think about Ghostbusters. The entire yes. city of New York is failing everybody, and they go to the mayor because the mayor. <laughs> and, like, that's what, and throughout every 90s movie, it's the same. And did you know, like, those those two, the mayor and his sleazy, like, right-hand man was uh, just, like, uh, almost like a metaphor for Sis, uh, Siskel and uh, Roger Ebert. Roger and so, yeah. Ebert and uh, Siskel, I'm just drawing a blank. Um, but apparently they panned Independence Day, and that was why they were put in this movie to, to make fun of them. And you see at the, the end of the film, when the sleazy right-hand man is, like, leaving, goes like this. Uh -oh. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, check it out. Yeah. Oh, I didn't notice that. I, I knew they were they were playing on Cisco and Ebert, which is kind of oh. funny and also good. I mean, it, it, it is funny. Um, also, also the the mayor doesn't change his clothes in days because John Renault puts a a mic in the back of his <laughs> neck and then it just stays there. Um, it doesn't. I mean, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't matter. I mean, it, it rains throughout the whole movie here. With no explanation, um, I, I think it's to conceal the special effects, right? Like to kind of like make it easier to create Godzilla yeah. behind the rain, which is what Godzilla King of, King of the Monsters takes to the absolute extreme. Um, I don't want to talk about that one. <laughs> um, all right, final final points, um, guys. Should people watch this thing over newer Godzilla movies? Should they watch both? Should they just forget this ever existed? Uh, what's up? Let's go with dives first. I, I I don't think it deserves the hate at all. I think from a box office standpoint, it was pretty successful. You look at Mission Impossible, set the record 75 million in a six-day opening weekend. This was at 74 million. Uh, like you look at inflation, like this was actually a, a, a pretty good success. Um, so um, again, if you're looking for um, on a Sunday, uh, you're hungover, uh, you're eating some Chinese food and you just want to waste a couple hours. You you could do yeah. a lot worse than 1998 Godzilla. And versus the current MonsterVerse. What's that? Like, oh, okay, what do you prefer, this one or the newer ones? Oh, I actually liked King of the Monsters. So uh, I'll say this was better than 2014's Godzilla. Not as good as King of the Monsters. Wow. Hot take. Um, I'm surprised. John, go for it. I think that you should watch it because I think you should watch everything that we tell everybody to watch because we're not just like out here, you know, whatever. Actually, that's exactly what we're doing. We're telling you all to watch bad movies, but <laughs> not not paycheck. Paycheck, we said no. Um, you know, I, I I think that it's is it is it worth a watch? Yeah. Does it remind you of all the really cheesy 90s shit that we dealt with constantly? Yeah, it does. And, like, uh, if you can get past, like, how much the world has changed in 20 years and totally watch it, it's it's worth it. Wow, Leo. This I can't believe. This I can't believe. Um, someone, someone give Juan some chocolates. <laughs> Look, 24 – I mean, uh, all right, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree. I, I see now why Leo doesn't trust me because I don't agree. I – I kind of like 2014. I think I like the, you know, I think it's shot pretty well, but, uh, and the, the battle, it builds up to it. And I, I think it somewhat worked. I know what they were going for, the Jaws effect, which is movies keep trying to do. Um, but 
I wish they would have had actually interesting characters because Aaron Taylor Johnson is not a good leading man. Elizabeth Olsen is sleepwalking, and they have Brian Cranston, but it just uh, he just yeah he couldn't save that movie. Spoiler alert! I think yeah. nobody could have. Um, yeah, uh, and, and King of the Monsters is one of the blandest movies I've ever seen. King of the Monsters um, is just monsters beating the shit out of each other. For that's people. what I want. That's all no. I want. No, I can I cannot sanction that. No, that I cannot allow. I hundred percent what Godzilla movies, what King Kong movies should be in total. That, that's why the other movies are not good because they have too much human emotion, storylines, plot lines uh, running through. And that's why I give 1998's Godzilla credit. You know what they did a really good job at? At making you feel for Godzilla. This is a, a creature that just is trying to mate. It's trying to lay some eggs. It wants to be a dad. I have a 19th month old daughter. I, I totally related to this Godzilla monster. I will say at the end of the movie, when, when Godzilla <laughs> died at the end of the movie, like you felt bad. You were like, oh, they killed him. And then like, of course, the egg pops open and then whatever. But like you did, you felt like something towards this Godzilla that died. I just, I, I, I'm not a big fan of like giant monster movies for a lot of reasons. Um, but that being said, like it, watch it. It's funny. I was going to say the same thing. I don't feel that strongly about giant CGI creatures fighting, fighting each other. I don't find it very compelling. So that's why King of the Monster to me is garbage um, because I, I don't care. I need to know. And they have so many good, this is not King of the Monsters. They have so many good actors. But anyway, Leo says, if you combine the story and film like in 2014 with the scream town and monster battles of King of the Monster, you get a solid movie. Probably. Yeah. I, mm, I would, I would still need better characters. I just, to me, the characters were, um, not a good uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's true. Um, all right, guys, we got to move on. Uh, this was beautiful. Go watch Roland Emmerich movies. Uh, not 10,000 BC, which I guess we should watch it was next so week. so bad. No, I, no, I just no, no. wanted to see 10,000. Oh, no, it's daylight next week. We'll talk about it. Daylight uh, is finally happening yeah. next week. <laughs> finally, Give we promise. What that's not and a bad yes, movie. Yes. Yeah. We need to talk about daylight. Um, all right, um, let's move on now to our next story, John, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. All right, everybody. So we're going to talk about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which this one I actually think is divisive, okay? Because we all have some strong feelings about it. Some people like it. Some people don't hate it. I Oh, God damn it. Yes, we might watch 10,000 BC. But right now, <laughs> let's talk about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which... <laughs> which uh, was pretty decisive. Although this week's episode, once again, I feel was lackluster. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. And now dives ready to go. So because of that face, I'm going to ask you before we do spoilers, before we do spoilers, before we do spoilers, just so everybody knows, what do you think? Are you talking to me? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go first types. Yeah. I mean, I've, we've been saying this on our suit of geeks podcast. Um, I absolutely adore this show. Um, this is the the show that I've been waiting for, um, and it's delivered uh, in terms of character development and telling a rich story. Um, I, I think it's been just top notch. I get people are are pissed off because they're not getting this like super action packed Jason Bourne uh, type of type of movie uh, based television show, but man, I just love how they are portraying Bucky, uh, kind of similar to Wanda just laden with guilt over what he's lost. You got Falcon who's trying to live up to Cap's legacy, uh, struggling to live his life, struggling to make ends meet 
uh, financially. You got uh, some larger themes surrounding uh, around racism. We'll talk into that, I think. And uh, I just love the fact that the meat and potatoes of the show is character development. Kevin Feige could have easily sold out uh, and given us X Men in WandaVision. He could have given given us Jason Bourne in uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But here they're they're focused on giving and telling a truly great story over giving us uh, mindless action. And uh, I rated this episode a nine point four out of ten, which just beat uh, my nine point three uh, rating review. Uh, in the premiere. So I, I love this show to death, man. It, it is it is speaking to my heart. I love it. I know. Those ratings are awfully specific. 9.3, 9.4. Hey, what I do. What I do. All right, Gabe. Uh, I know that you're not happy with what's going on here. Yeah. I, I know why you're not happy, yeah. though. Let me preface this with everybody. You, you go first. No, you go first. Yeah. Gabe is super unhappy because he doesn't want another trailer for a movie that he's going to see in a year or two. He wants this to be like beginning, middle, end, first, second, third act be done. So for all of you out there that are about to disagree with Gabe, just keep that in mind that he doesn't want another trailer. Personally, while I agree that I, you know, the movies or this show is taking a little bit longer to get started than I would have liked it to. I personally love trailers. Trailers are the best part of the movie. Like literally they cut out the best parts and they put it in there. So I'm hoping that this is a trailer for an amazing movie that we're going to get to see soon. That being said, I really wish that they would pick up the pace on some parts. I understand that they are doing some really great character building and they are putting some people in there, but there are definitely certain parts of the episode, especially the first episode, not as much in the second episode where you felt like, uh, I call it like an automatic transmission in a car where you're moving forward, 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 and then you slow down and then forward, 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 and slow down. Like, that's how I feel these episodes are going. And I wish that I could get a more consistent pace throughout the episode. All right, Gabe, take it away. All right. Uh, I mean, this, this won't affect how any of you guys feel about the show. Like, if you love it, like dives, I mean, I couldn't be happier for you. I wish I was as happy with the show, um, even though, you know, some people like Ryan don't believe me, but... To me, the show is exactly what I don't think the MCU should be. I think it's incredibly derivative. Um, yeah, I know, Leo. I'm going for it. Uh, I think I think it's incredibly deliver derivative. It's even the action sequence are directly reference. Uh, they, they, they come directly from the Captain America movies. The oh, I jumped without a parachute. That comes from from uh, the Winter Soldier. Like it just it it's all derivative of, because they knew that people liked the Winter Soldier, but they were moving forward with other things. That they were so there was no like formal sequel to the Winter Soldier, the movie, the Captain America and the Winter Soldier movie. So this is that sequel. Fine, but you don't have to do the same damn thing. I mean, you don't have to do the same thing because this is just. Like the characters are just not engaging to me. None of them. Like probably they've done a bit more with Bucky, um, a bit. But then in this episode, uh, they had that interrogation room scene where it was just like, like they were like an old married couple, which was I don't get. Like they they've made jokes about not liking each other, but they're grown ups. They're not fourteen years old, so I don't know why they had to have that scene in there. They were getting along just fine and fighting together. That prior scenes. I don't think, think it makes any sense. Um, I, I, I think I agree with John. It's it's not going anywhere. Like right now, it's just like, oh, we got to get another guy from the Captain America movies in here. So let's call Simo. 
And then they're going to have Agent 13 and all these people that kind of like had left plot threads open. And I think episode two kind of like gave me a better idea of where it's going. And I don't like where it's going because it's just so basic and just so derivative of what came before. Sorry. Sorry, Leo. Sorry. I I, I mean, I, I hear you. I don't agree with everything you said. I think that there are definitely parts of it that, you know. It's it's halfway. It is halfway it's through the true. show. It's true. It's true. Yeah, it's true. And that's oh. my biggest fear: is that Looks, it's six episodes. Sunny has that coming for you, John. Or is that it'll hopefully get yeah. going and kick up soon? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like we are halfway done with the show. I want it to get going. Um, if this were WandaVision or another show where I knew that we were getting a full episode count, if we were seeing ten episodes, and, and let me let me say this, everybody hears me. I think that we would be on a good pace because if you compare the pacing of this to WandaVision, then it is the same pace as WandaVision. Okay. The problem yeah. is, is that instead of what, nine episodes, we're getting six episodes. So we're losing. And I don't want people to, everybody thinks about this in episode count. Let's call it what it is. Time, screen time. We are losing a shit ton of screen time by not having three hours extra to progress the plot. That is an entire end game movie that we're going to miss in plot progression because we don't have but six episodes. I'm hoping that they can pull it off. I know it's Marvel, so they're going to pull it off. I'm assuming. I mean, but, okay. Uh, three more episodes. It's two more hours of your life lost. Um, and here, Mrs. Crockpot and literally Dodge, like it together. talking about Godzilla 1998, and here we are complaining about life. Welcome to my show with Gabe, where... <laughs> <laughs> well, shit just doesn't make sense. Nothing makes sense here. Um, I don't know, John. Yeah, I mean, I you know, we'll see. So what? I'm going to go back to Gabe for this one, but... Do you think the leads are charismatic? We have talked this to no end. No, no, yeah, I don't. I mean, I just don't. I don't see them. I just that scene in the interrogation room. Had it been given to better actors, no, that was dumb. I, it, I'm sorry. Like you know, Martin Scorsese with uh, Robert De Niro and DiCaprio couldn't have pulled that stupid script off. Um, yeah, they're they're not good enough to carry their own show. The writers are not good enough to write their own show. I'm disappointed. I, I mean, I think what they're doing is a lot of buddy comedy stuff, right? Yeah, That's but not in a good one. Yeah, go for it, Dives. Put me yeah, right. Go for it, Dives. No, I, I don't have enough. I don't, I'm, I'm <laughs> too late to get into this. this, this sounds like <laughs> we need to have you on to our show game and really break this down because I, I fully disagree top to bottom. Um, but this is where the MCU absolutely 100% should be moving towards. This is what made WandaVision so great when it's tackling trauma and it's tackling some dark real life issues that people uh you know have to deal with that's what they're starting to do with sam and bucky um and that was really just symbolic of that meeting with dr rayner when they're starting to confront uh everything and all they have lost with cap you know not being a part of their lives they're completely broken characters you ask if these character leads are charismatic it's way too soon to jump to conclusions man like We've only we're only in a third into this series, that is heavily story driven. Uh, saying these characters aren't char- aren't charismatic would be like watching forty minutes of a film and then basing an opinion uh, on just that forty minutes. Having an opinion on Scarlet Witch by episode two, you can't do that, guys. Like I think it's way too soon. These are two completely broken characters uh, following the events of Avengers Endgame. 
Um, and I just love how these two characters, like they couldn't be any more different yet. They have so many parallels uh, and share uh, some similarities in a lot of sense. So like they're both isolated. They're all alone. They're both most emotionally and both mentally unstable. Um, so I, I think that the creators are giving us these breadcrumbs in regards to Sam and Bucky moving forward. Uh, similar to like Wanda, like accepting her uh, trauma and uh, fully embracing uh, the death of Vision. I think that's the same thing that we're going to see here in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the, uh, especially Sam uh, accepting, you know, who he is as a hero. He has the instinct. We already seen it in these two episodes. You've seen little glimpses of Sam having the instincts of Captain America. That's why he was given uh, the shield. So I fully expect Sam to kind of embrace that, accept his responsibility and a burden to an extent. Uh, that was why he was given the shield. So I fully disagree, Gabe. No offense, but um, that's I, I, uh, I disagree with you on the fact that I think that the buddy comedy stuff is hilarious because they they did it starting in they did it in Civil War. They they've done this before, right? Like these com comedic timing moments. They actually <clears> did it. Uh, I think what at the end of Ant Man and yeah, the first Ant Man or something like that. Um, anyway, I, I actually really like that. Uh, that's the only thing that I'm worried about. To your point is, I want to see the progression of Falcon become Captain America. I don't know that this is the series that we're going to see it in, and I think that we are going to be on for a much longer journey than we originally thought. And Right. It, it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Yeah, it it's took just, 10 years to get to Endgame. Yeah. Why yeah, are we jumping the gun right now? We're like literally within the first We've been watching months. Zack Snyder movies. That, that's, we have <laughs> jumped the gun. Like, that's a good point. That, I, I agree. Yeah. I, I agree with Dives there. I agree with Dives there. Here's the thing. I want to move on to the next so we don't spend 20 yeah. minutes on a uh, 20 minute episode. But uh, just one thing. I think that in a show, you got to engage the audience with you gotta you gotta make the audience as like the characters and feel invested with them since episode one and i know it's a slow build for the character arcs i get what you're saying but it just to me when i watched 24 for the first time i was like okay jack bauer is the guy and when i watched the smallville for the first time i was like this guy is a good superman and you know uh, the boys i, I watched carl orbit urban and he was yeah. just fantastic as as butcher so that's my point on that. Um, but let's move to spoilers. Yeah, let's John. let's yeah. yeah, let's go to the. Oh wait, the, well, well, let's do. You want to do the racism? Uh, sorry. Yeah, I, yeah, I want to do that. I actually want to do this full spoiler. So we're going to talk about spoilers now, everybody. So spoilers. spoilers, 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 whatever. Okay, so this show is tackling something that I think I've slid into a minute ago, but comic books for years and years and years. Thank you. Have always um, done the same. Thing. Like since the 60s, they have tackled hot button issues within society. That is just a, a way that comic books have gone. Uh, I think in a previous episode, I talked about how Tony Stark was a raging alcoholic. And they kind of mentioned that in Iron Man 2. But of course, they, they like very much subdued it, right? You can kind of get a glimpse of that in Iron Man 2 when he's drunk at his own party and he's blowing shit up. Um, but this one it is coming at a very momentous time in our country and, and culture and it is trying to tackle racism and it is it is going kind of head on at it and it's giving us some some stuff that that we didn't know about right super soldiers specifically a black super soldier from a timeline when cap was sleeping and bucky knew about it 
which brings up to a good point that I'm going to hit on later. But it is going after these race relations, mainly in that one uh, right after that scene where you see them walking out and they go up to Anthony Mackie and they're like, whoa, 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 is this guy messing with you? And he's standing next to Bucky. Now, that shows two things. One, it shows that the characters are divided and they're not friends and it's very obvious. But it also shows the inherent racism of the police as seen in in the world. So uh, what do you guys think about how they're trying to, to tackle this? I'm going to start with Gabe this time. Uh, I think to me, I mean, I wouldn't presume to be um, an expert on uh, racism themes. Of course I'm not, not at all. So I don't want to, you know, come across as somebody that's going to teach anything about this. Just to me, from the perspective of a comic book project tackling racism, the, the closest comparison is, is Watchmen because it happened last year um, in, a, in a, the, the same difficult, particularly difficult time for the United States um, and the world, you know, and racism. I think Watchmen never felt like they had to explain stuff to me. Like, look, this is racism. Like, they just showed me. Um, and this the storyline was motivated because of, you know, old-timey racism and current racism and it was just like driving the story forward here i feel like especially in that arrest scene i feel like they wanted to show the you know the issue with with cops arresting black people versus white people by having them together but it just felt mm-hmm. like they were telling me and, and it seems like they're describing like look He's the white guy. They're not doing anything. Like he felt like they were, and it's it's the point. It's not a point. They're just, like you're, they're not being subtle. And I I felt I felt like it, it felt lazy, and I I didn't like it. All right, you're up, Dubs. <laughs> I, I thought the strength of the episode was Isaiah Bradley's character. Um, I, I, I actually agree. really enjoyed uh, his little segment, and um, I went on a rant <clears throat> on a, on a previous show, like hoping. That we get to see more of what this character was and who he was. Like you look at, um, you know, the diversity in the first three phases of Marvel. It's literally nothing. There is no diversity within uh, the first part of the the, um, the MCU. And you look at where this is going. It's diversity everywhere for for the better. Um, my my favorite part was Isaiah Bradley and how the the idea. I think that's this is Kevin Feige's way to make up for that. The idea of a black Captain America fighting in the Korean War, um, and then he does—he goes on these like suicide missions, and then thrown in jail for thirty years. That's really interesting to me. Um, I hope they kind of give us a little bit more of that. Um, and I—that I, was like almost border—not borderline. It was tragic to see like Anthony Mackie's character Sam being like, "How the hell did I not know that there was uh, this black super soldier?" Uh, fighting for what was good, and he just got buried. Um, that was an awesome moment. I love the moment when um, the African American boy went up to Falcon and was like, "You're Black Falcon." Like that made me think back to remember when Chadwick Boseman died, and all these videos came up uh, of African American children like celebrating and cr- or also crying that Black Panther has died, and um, that's how I took that. I actually had an emotional response to that. Um, so I thought it was really well done. And like I said previously, like this is when Marvel thrives, when it's tackling adult themes and adult issues. 
Like, sorry, Thor, the dark world. We're, we're going to leave your ass behind. This is the w- new wave of Marvel diversity and celebrating it. And that's where I think is absolutely the smart move for Marvel. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that the, you know, what they're doing is what they should have been doing all along what they've been doing in the actual comics for a very, very long time. Um, I don't think that that scene was too over heavy handed, Gabe. I mean, I can understand where you're coming from, but I don't think it was like beat you over the head. Like, you know, some things definitely do. I thought it was, it was actually pretty subtle. Um, but you know, I, I, I'm wondering where, what we're actually going to get out of this entire series now, because this creates a whole, like not to get in and this is going to be the last thing. So I don't want to get into it too much, but this does create a whole like continuity loop where like the super soldier was created back when Captain America could have been like way back in the past, like steve rogers because we know steve rogers went back in time and although we think that he's in a different universe so like i want people to start thinking about that where did all these super soldiers come from maybe they came from cap because cap screwed up and decided that he wanted to have a life with peggy and like i want people to start actually getting on this like they might be doing more here than what we're thinking and that's what i'm hoping and i'm really worried that i'm wrong but i'm really hoping that they're doing some crazy shit that i'm going to sit at the end and be like okay this is awesome because it's wandavision did this to us right we sat we speculated and we did all that i'm hoping that this next episode kind of gets us onto that train of like they're introducing it right like oh there's more super soldiers there was a black captain america which they haven't directly said yet but they've kind of alluded to right um we know that he that he was a super soldier but like that's where i want to go i want to start alluding to like getting this whole universe together and giving us something to speculate for weeks before or weeks ahead in the future um and that's why i say it's lackluster because i want that speculation i want to come on this show and argue with gabe about what's going to happen on the next week's episode i'm uh, happy i'm happy we have different opinions on this one um because one division we were mostly aligned and here i feel yeah. like i'm on the other side sorry dives you were going to say something no, I, I fully agree. I love making theories. It's literally like my favorite part of watching a TV show, like Game of Thrones, Lost. Like that, those were my babies, where I just like lost hours and hours, thousands of hours, just thinking about random bullshit that never happened. Yeah. Um, and yeah, everyone else on the Suit Up Geeks podcast are like, "No more theories. We're out." <laughs> well, I welcome your well, theories over here, okay? Because like, honestly, I love shows that make you like question like lost oh, is yeah. one of my lost is like up here horrible ending amazing everything else so like yeah. i that's what i really want is like i want the speculation to start on the show i think we could be getting there like they're introducing enough enough pieces can they solve that in six episodes who knows all right, we don't. All right. i'm just but, gonna tell you it's not a theory this is how it's gonna end i'll just tell you <laughs> um <laughs> I believe that the John Walker situation is an analogy for whitewashing um, that Captain America himself have picked the black Captain America to take his mantle. And then uh, for reasons that don't make any sense, Sam was uh, decided to give it up. Um, But then I noticed that the same guy that told Sam, you made the right choice with giving away the shield was the guy who gave the shield to John Walker. Okay. So to me, they're saying like, oh, they don't want to uh, like they're, they're making an analogy of like they don't want the black guy 
to be the face of Captain America, um, which um, of course is parallels in the in the real world, and of course was tackled way better by Watchmen, but we won't get into that. And then, so by the end, you'll see that Sam's character arc is he'll be able to accept that he can become the next Captain America. That's what the show is going to be, six hours of that, to get to that. And John Walker, who is not a bad guy. I thought he was going to be a douchebag and all that, but he's not a bad guy. He's just a guy that was thrown into an inconvenient situation. No, he he's going like to die. Like that. He looks like he's like going to, yes. So he's going to die, and he's going to end up giving the shield um to uh to 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 Sam as he dies. Remember yeah. that. Yeah. Remember that. He's gonna become U he's gonna become US agent. None <laughs> of that's gonna happen. I think Dave is wrong. Uh yeah. I think, Back in four I think weeks. Dave is wrong. It's not gonna happen. I don't think that we're gonna get a new Captain America by the end of this. I think that we're going to have and if we do get a new Captain America, by the way and I've said this before, I think he's going to follow the comics and I think Bucky's going to take up the mantle for a little bit because he's going to help Sam out and because they're going to bond and be best friends by the end of this. Just like if you watched Ted Lasso, Gabe, that you would understand, but they're going to all bond. They're all going to be best friends. There's no there's no spoiler. It's a happy show, okay? But they're, they're going to be best friends. I think Bucky is going to pick up the mantle for cap for a little bit and it could be one or two movies but i also know that sebastian stan has like nine movies on his on his contract so they've got to fill oh, out like no. three more oh no 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 yeah. no so all right so nice. all your theories yeah. are now thrown out we're gonna close no. out the show with remember wrong. <laughs> no no that's just final positive thoughts be the be the better man i'm very negative well john was positive but dives no, final thoughts are I actually enjoy I don't think we've seen the villain yet, to be honest. And yeah. I, I actually I actually truly enjoy how there's no black or white with these villains. Uh you look at John Walker, you look at um all these different the flag smashers, uh there's a lot of gray in all of these different characters. I think that's uh really, really interesting that you don't even know that these guys are the villains. They, they you you are just scratching the surface in terms of what they're about. Um, and I think that's kind of that's kind of fun because they're not like these like these terrorists that are like doing this and this and this and they're terrible. I think there's a lot uh, more under the surface there. So I am really enjoying the show and I really enjoyed coming on. Here. The villain is bad screenwriting. <laughs> oh, oh my Jesus. God. James. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, everybody, this has been another week of Satisfaction. Goodbye. Uh, last week we didn't say our Twitter stuff and everything. So you can follow Dives at Mr. Crockpot on Twitter. He's fantastic on Twitter. He posts a lot of really good pictures of his daughter and his dog. <laughs> uh, both really, really good. I'm a big fan. So he's a great follow. So give him a follow for sure. Um, also follow the Painted Lines, which is, you know, we're, we're using the resources. We're really happy to be working with them on this. Um, you can follow us at Cinespection and follow us for the polls because we'll be polling what we'll do next. Not this week because we already have the movie picked for this week. Daylight, finally. Um, but next week, we'll probably go between 10,000 BC and a whole bunch of other crap. Uh, Actually, you can, we, you can, we, yeah. yeah. Yes, four choices. Yeah, yeah so we'll, we'll come up with something. Um, you can follow me at Filmopinionitis right there. And you can follow John at Joe Firth, as you see it spelled there. And if you're listening to this, it's J-O-H-A-I-R-T-H. And 
we will see you next week. This has been Cinespection, and go watch Godzilla, please. Good night. guys i'm going to bed yeah i'm i'm <laughs> east coast hours now so i'm with you <laughs> but, yeah i think he's out <laughs> all right thanks all right, guys. Guys. we'll see you later bye, bye.